Good morning. Let's all stand together. Psalms 46. God, you're our strong refuge. You're truly our helper. In times of trouble, for this reason, we do not fear when the earth shakes. And when the mountains tremble into the depths of the sea, and when its waves crash and foam, and the mountains shake before the surging sea, Selah. The river's channels bring joy in the city of God, the special holy dwelling place of God, this sovereign one. God, we say that you live within it and it cannot be moved. God rescues it and breaks forth from the dawn. Nations even now are in an uproar and kingdoms are overthrown. But God gives a shout and the earth dissolves. The Lord who commands armies, the Lord who commands armies is on our side. The Lord who commands armies is with us. Mm. I say, God of Jacob, you are our protector. Now come and witness the exploits of the Lord who brings devastation to the earth. And he brings an end to wars throughout the earth and he shatters the bow and he breaks the spear. He burns the shields with fire and he says, hey guys, stop your striving and recognize. Hey, recognize that I'm the Lord. We come before you, Lord, right now to recognize you as God and to praise the Lord. Praise the Lord with me, all ye saints in the house of the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's all for you. We. Oui. 
physical uh, healing issue that you need in your body right now for healing, I want you to come forward and stand right here. We're going to pray for healing right now. Any physical healing need that's in this house, just come forward right now. Come on. If you have any physical need, you need healing right now. Just come forward. In the name of Jesus, we ask you right now, bring physical healing, joint needs right now, joints. I pray, Jesus, that you would bring healing to the joints uh, right now in this place, Jesus. Just stay with the Lord. If some of you want to just come forward and lay hands on the sick, just come forward and pray for them.
chapter 103 those of you that have come up for healing if you will just raise your hands and praise the Lord for your healing now he says praise the Lord on my soul and all that's within me praise his holy name praise the Lord oh my soul and do not forget his kind deeds he is the one who forgives all your sins and listen he heals not just one, but all diseases. All, all. Not just a partial healing, but a full healing now. I heal all your diseases, and I crown you with my loyal love and compassion. And I satisfy your life with every good thing. Hey, listen, I got you, says the Lord. Yes. Receive the healing touch of the Lord. And while the elders pray for you, receive his touch. Fire of the Lord, fire of the Lord, move. Move, Lord. Move on every physical need here this morning. Jesus, thank you, Lord. Oh. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. I know that I have the petition that I ask of you because I know you hear me right now. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. of the Lord right now. Yeah. And the words of my mouth. The wave is the Lord, the presence of the Lord. Yes, Lord. Move, Lord. Move, Holy Spirit. Yes. Yes. There you are.
110 here is the Lord's proclamation to my Lord sit down at the right hand until I make your enemies your footstool and now in as a fact all enemies are under his feet and all enemies are under your feet now and now we move into the next phase of our worship set Psalms 110.2 The Lord extends your dominion from Zion. Hey, the Lord extends Christ in you, the hope of glory, your dominion. The dominion that's in you now. Dominion from the place where heaven and earth collide. The place 
called Zion, the place where heaven and earth meets in you. Now, now it's time for you. Because of Christ in you, the hope of glory now rule and govern. Govern now in the midst of your enemies. They take us up in the spirit. Rule. Govern. Take ground this morning. Take ground by the spirit of the Lord. Take ground over this city and take ground over your families and take ground over this nation. Take ground now in the name of Jesus.
forward and I we may not think sometimes when God speaks to us that he wants us to speak back to him the very same thing he spoke to us in the Greek is called homo legeo it means to say the same thing that he says and so when we're partnering in the place of Zion there's something that has to rise up in us where we're coming into agreement with the Lord and we're saying what he's saying back to him. 
And that requires a verbal utterance. For instance, God has given you promises. He's, he's told you things that will happen in your life that's going to come and pass. I know for me, there's been many times the promise and the circumstance seem to be completely two different things. But what the Lord taught me in the place of prayer that I had to stand up in myself and I had to say back to him the promise that he said to me. Do you hear me? And inside your spirit, in the place of the grace, grace reality, what you're doing in effect is you're saying, I believe and I trust your promises, Lord. And I say in myself, in Corinthians, yes. And I say, amen. And it says, unto the glory that is operating through you. Your promise, what you're believing for, and the reality of it is contingent on your yes and your amen. Now we're here, right now. This is how they took Jericho. This is how they crossed the Red Sea. This is how they took the promised land. They took it out of worship. And they said, I say yes. And I say amen to you, Lord. For all the promises of God are true. All of them, they're true. They're true for me family. Now partner with me, with the Lord and call them out and say yes. Oh, I say yes to you, Lord. And let the joy of the Lord come down through you. And I say yes. Yes and Cast up your eyes to the Lord, from whence cometh your help. My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. Where does my help come from? Where does my help come from? Oh, my help comes from you.
Isaiah chapter 55. Hey, all who are thirsty, come to the water. You who have no money, come. Buy and eat. 
and come and buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why pay money for something that is not going to nourish you? And why spend your hard-earned money on something that will not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat. Eat from the tree of life and eat from the one who will nourish your soul. to me listen so you can live then I will make an unconditional covenant promise to you just like I made a reliable covenantal promise to David look I made him a witness to the nations and a ruler and commander of nations look you you will summon nations that you did not previously know and nations that did you did not previously know will run to you because of the Lord your God the Holy One of Israel for he bestows honor honor on you we're getting a shift up here as it relates to this nation right now and we've seen the travesty concerning this land. And we are calling on the Lord for a great awakening. And I ask if you right now in prayer would partner with me on behalf of this entire land that it would be turned over to the Lord and that a remnant would raise up united as one, the church triumphant as one, the one with the army of banners waving over us. Would you intercede with me for this nation that the Lord will turn his whole land over to himself? Nations will run to you. The people will run to you. Nation, turn over to the a declaration this morning that the United States of America is the Lord and we the people of the Lord are the Lord's Church, pray church, pray church. 
Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, and for there is no authority except by God's appointment. And the authorities that exist have been instituted by God. So the person who resists such authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will incur judgment. Romans chapter 13. Lord, we pray for all the authorities in this land. If they are not according to the wisdom and knowledge of who you are, we ask you right now that you would depose them and cast them out of the seats, Lord. We ask you, Lord, by the sovereign act of your hand, Lord, that you would cause our government that stands in this nation to stand only in the knowledge of who you are, for you are the sun sitting in the heavens. We ask, Lord, that every authority that exalts itself against the knowledge of God would be cast down. And we pray that you would raise up a government, a government that honors and exalts your name. Amen.
to Mount Zion Run to Mount Zion Oh, Mount Zion My enemies, they consume themselves. Who is like my king? He who rules with compassion and love. Who is like my warrior? He, he rescues me and avenges me. It's only a sit in darkness rejoice not against me oh enemy and when I fall I shall Jerusalem will be vindicated, Micah chapter 7. My enemies do not gloat over me, and though I've fallen, I will get up. And though I've sat in darkness, the Lord will be my light. And though I've endured the Lord's anger, for I have sinned against him, but then... He will defend my cause and accomplish justice on my behalf. He will lead me out into the light and I will experience, and I know this and you know this, I will experience firsthand the deliverance of the Lord. I will experience and you will experience firsthand God's deliverance. Yes. And when my enemy sees this, 
they will be covered with shame. And they will say to me, where is the Lord your God? And I will gloat over them. And then they'll be trampled down like mud in the streets. And it will be a day as it is today when the rebuilding of the walls, the rebuilding of the walls, the rebuilding of the walls, the rebuilding and security of the walls on this nation will prevail. And in this day, all the boundary and the covering and the protecting of the glory as the greater glory returns to the church the greater glory great glory
After I used to fly, I flew for the Air Force. Before we ever went into an event, we would um, brief. But after we finished an event, we would have a debrief. And the Lord wants me just to give you just a little one here, because many of you, and that many of you that will come into these events will be new to this experience. <clears throat> and when we're transitioning through the worship set, we're, we've got a, um, a pattern that's laid over to the worship out of Psalms 110. The apostles in the New Covenant quoted out of Psalms 110 more than any Old Testament section in the New Testament. And so what'll happen when you come into these events, I would expect that you would 
you would expect Psalms 110.1, the Lord said to my Lord, sit until I make your enemies your footstool. And you'll experience that. That's why we called, uh, the Holy Spirit said, call, there's some healing in here that needs to happen. And so we call for the healing. Because we don't want any enemies on you, pervading you while you're being prepared to mobilize. The ecclesia is missional. And our mission comes out of the heavens. In Psalms 110.2, there comes this moment, and you probably caught it in the worship, which I've mentioned it to you. The Lord extends your dominion from Zion rule in the midst of your enemies. Enemies under your feet now command the heavens. Say what he's saying back to him. So much of the church has moved just into intercession for oneself, but missed the declaration that must come. And we've been on milk when we needed to eat some meat. And in Psalms 110.3, and your people shall volunteer in the day of your power and the beauty of holiness. You have the dew of the morning dawn. Transfigured glory begins coming to your life and the things that you need, whatever they are, volunteers will raise up. You don't have to manipulate or control anybody. No, out of transfigured glory, out of your life and your calling, your ministry, your business, the Lord begins to move for you. He takes care of things for you. Jesus said, my father's always working out of the seventh day, out of rest. The soul begins to rest and transmission of light comes out of you. And 110.4, and you're a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, I swear it. And you'll feel or experience this. You'll experience this calmness come into your person like a rest, like you've never known. And what you've done effectively is you've secured the heavens in the translation of the heavens into the earth. And you have had, why we call this the collider. You had the collision of heaven and earth in you. And Melchizedek says that Abraham, blessed are you Abraham, possessor of what? possessor of heaven and earth. Blessed are you of El Elyon, the God most high. You've learned how to possess God's work in your life and transmit him. And see what has to happen is many of us, we haven't even went there in worship, but we must go on. And you saw the movement this morning. Oh, sovereign Lord at your right hand, he strikes down kings in the day he unleashes his anger. You want to see the government shift? You want to see this nation have a shift or the nations of the world? We must move into this reality of the declaration of the king who sits triumphant in you and transmit this life from him so that he will depose and take down the ruling powers. We, the church, the ecclesia, it is contingent on us that we in the place of worship, just like Jehoshaphat and just like Joshua Jericho, what did they do? They took down Jericho. They brought down Ammon, Edom, the Moabites that come against them, what? Out of worship. 
He executes judgment then and against the nation. He fills the valleys with dead bodies. The king has a two-edged sword coming out of his mouth to slay his enemies. We're up here and the Lord says, welcome up to the JSOC is what I, we call it for short, the judgment seat of Christ. Welcome to the JSOC before the JSOC, which is coming. Why don't you come on up now? Why don't you come up where? Yes, an appointment with him while he tools out your being and takes out everything that hinders love. Why not come up now? Because there's a day that's been appointed. There's a judgment seat coming. It's on the horizon. But you and I can come up to the JSOC now and begin to see the release of the angelic host in this nation to go and to fight for Israel. And God will raise up Michael and his whole warring camp and Gabriel to send out his messages to his people all throughout the land. And it can come out of his house to bring down the ruling powers and principalities so that the church will rise into the seats of government and sit in the place of dominion and authority that is already, because of what Jesus did at the cross, ours. You, Ecclesia, must rise. And then I love 1107. And from the stream along the road he drinks. Who drinks? The Lord. And he lifts up his head. Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to seat his head, his government. Not anymore. <laughs> I'm satisfied, he'll say to me. I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied with your devotion. I'm satisfied with your movement of your heart. I'm satisfied with you. I'm satisfied I'm finding me a place in the earth where consummate loyalty is to me. He's the king. I pledge allegiance to the lamb. Pledge allegiance to the lamb who is the lion of the tribe of Judah. We pledge allegiance to you, Lord. We know that you're seated right now at the right hand of the Father. We know that you're right there enthroned in glory. And we give you honor. We give you the praise. We give you the glory that you're due. Amen. Good morning. <laughs> We're having a good time, aren't we? Yeah. 
All right. Well, um, let's see, how's it? This is all new, so. Uh, I'm going to ask Nathan to come up. We're going we're gonna to um, have a little talk with Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're out at the pavilion in Mills River um, where uh, Tom and Laura Gross's place is at. We've been there for, I would say, it's been about 28 weeks or so. We've been in the open air. And uh, oh, it's been amazing having it. Yeah. <laughs> And just watching the Lord work there and what he's, what he's done. And, and while we were out there, and many of you may not know this, but we, during that time, we began to, right before that, the Lord started speaking to me, and he said, I, I'm wanting to have a second exodus in the church. And um, I'm going to cause a second exodus to happen. And I remember one uh, morning I woke up and I said, well, are we going to call this uh, a second exodus movement? And he says, well, you can call it that if you want, but I want to call it exit to millennium. And so I said, oh, okay. And I like the way the Lord does things because second exodus to me sort of seems circular, but exit to millennium seemed like it was going somewhere, you know, that we were going to transition across out of this age into the age to come. And he said, I particularly raised up this house uh, as one of ministries. I'm sure there's many more, but I'm not responsible for many more ministries. I'm responsible for what the Lord says concerning this house uh, as a transitional ministry to exit into the next age. Um, we were actually here 11 years ago in this, in this building. And I, and I remember clearly being here, and the Lord was telling me that back then, and I think I was saying, you know, there's going to be a millennial house, and there's going to be a transitional house, and we must go into the next age. I think people are looking at me sort of like cockeyed. What is he talking about? And so when you, you'll see some of this language as they bring it up on the screen uh, this morning, um, X2M, and so when you see that, I just want you to know what it means. It means exit to millennium. So, there we go. So we're out in the pavilion, we're meeting, and so when you see like X2M82, today is X2M111, and so that kind of, hopefully this will help to frame your reference points a little bit. And so X2M86 here, um, this is when I'm going to end up meeting you, uh, Nathan. And Nathan comes out to the pavilion, and he's sitting over to the left side, and he had come in, and I wanted to go over and talk to him, because... Uh, he dresses really cool, and I liked his glasses and, uh, and his hair. And I said, this guy's pretty cool. I'm going to go talk to him. So if you don't wear glasses like that or clothes like this, it's okay. You're still cool. But, <laughs> but anyways, I'm like, I'm going to go over and talk to him. And so I go over there to speak to him, and he asked me. Nathan gets to the point, I think, uh, at least to me he did. Okay. And, and he said, what do you think about Go ahead. Kenosis. Yeah. What do you think about kenosis? And which is a, a Greek word in Philippians chapter 2. Yeah, go for it. Tell which us. is uh, where it says that Jesus emptied himself. The Greek word there is kenosis, or uh, I think it's shorter than that, keno or whatever. But um, mm -hmm. 
It's the, and so there is a theology that I would hold that says that Jesus, although being 100% divine, always 100% of the time, operated on earth as 100%. Goodness, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> that was a good distraction. The top. Um, he did everything that he did as a man empowered by the person of the Holy Spirit several times, uh, starting, I believe, starting at uh, Jesus' water baptism. Uh, we see Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit over and over and over again. And the point of all of that being that um, if Jesus did everything that he did as Lord, then I'm, I'm impressed, right? But if Jesus did everything that he did as a man empowered by the Holy Spirit, and I'm therefore then called to be like Jesus... Now I'm convicted, right? And so that's what I asked. Yeah, and I said, oh, I love this guy. Like, I double love this guy. <laughs> Why? Because Jesus, if he's doing, and you've heard of one-upmanship, right? Anybody ever done that or been the other side of someone else doing that to you? I think I did a lot of one-upmanship most of my life. I'm going to one-up you, you know, and then the Lord brings the humility steps into place. <laughs> Affliction. <laughs> Anyways, right, in a commentary on, I think it's a commentary on Philippians chapter two, it says that Jesus did not leverage who he was to his own advantage, and that's what, he didn't one up, yeah. Yeah, he's not gonna leverage what he did to his own advantage. Now, why is this important today? Well, this was how Nathan and I made a connection or an agreement. We made an agreement that in the, leadership of the church, that if we, we don't embody this value, if we're not going to live this value as believers, especially in, in the leadership, if we're not going to have that, what are we transmitting to the church? Anti-kenosis? Anti-Christ? Because if we're going to say, I'm going to try to do the one-up thing, get some self-worship, some self-glory, build an idol here. What is that gonna to transmit to anyone else? And seeing that Jesus, our king, did not do that. So he said he counted not robbery to be equal with God. He didn't leverage anything to his own advantage. He used no one-upmanship in his movement in his life. So he's fully man and fully God, if you haven't heard, you can go to the podcast and listen uh, to our Galactic Progeny podcasting on SoundCloud. But as we find out that the Lord wanted to place his full divinity in us, his full Christology in your humanity, and it being activated by the Spirit that you could live like he lives. You're not Jesus. I'm not Jesus. But Christ is not Jesus' last name either. So he's not Jesus H. Christ. That's not his last name. He has Christos or Christology installed in his full being, and he's in that way, he's divine, but also fully human. And in this way, he's activated by the, uh, the Spirit of God. Any comments? You're doing wonderful. Does it sounds good to you? Yes. Okay. And so, so to back out from where, from where we meet, to back up just a little bit, I've got up here X2M82, Ek Anastasin. 
And, and ek here, and I, I study this in the Greek extensively because I didn't like a lot of what was written about ek in the Greek as uh, the prefix to anastasin. Now, anastasin, if you don't know this, it means resurrection. And in Philippians 3.11, and it's broke apart in Romans 1.4, Paul is going to say, uh, and can y'all bring up Philippians 3.11 uh, for me? There you go. And so somehow he says, I want to attain to the resurrection from the dead, Philippians 3.11. So Echanastasin was presumptive to Nathan and my meeting. What, it, what was happening in our events that we've been having is the Lord's been speaking a lot of Hebrew to us. And so what began to happen is he began to speak this Greek language into the Hebraic language and began to mix it. And he said, I want you this morning to back up a little bit from Kenosis when we met and just back up and say what was motivating Paul. And Paul says, somehow, I would really like to attain to the resurrection or the ekanastasin or and I've got it, where'd it go? It indicates the initial moment in a lapse of time. So I believe that what Paul was saying in effect was he wanted to attain to the glorification. He wanted to come to a place of being transfigured. He was writing about it. He had viewed what had happened, uh, I'm sure through the synoptics, through the guys that he more than likely were able to have some communication with, Hey, we saw the Lord transfigured, and we know that man has a place where man could be glorified. I believe that Paul was saying, I want to attain unto glorification. In Acts 3.21, it says, and Jesus is retained in the heavens until the restoration of all things. Jesus is under a retainer right now until the restoration of all things. I believe that the restoration of all things spelled out in scripture is that mankind could attain unto ekanastasin, meaning that this is a real primary motive behind this ministry that the Lord is bringing us into a transfiguration out of the seventh day to bring us into a glorification. And Paul wanted that. Jesus is going to model it. We're going to meet Ridgeline representative, Collider representative is going to come together and we're going to agree on this here. If we're as the church are going to go towards glorified humanity, there has to be a mode of operation that we agree with. And the mode of operation, the modus operandi of the church has to be kenosis. It has to be. Do you understand? It has to be that I am not, I am going to empty myself. Now, you've heard me preach it this way. Do you have something? Go to zero. And many of us don't like this. We don't like, we've become good hedge fund managers. We hedge, and the Lord says, and the just shall live by faith. And we hedge, and we pull security and we try to build securities around ourselves, protect ourselves, protect our name, protect our assets, you know, protect our liabilities, protect everything. And the Lord's like, no, go all in. I did. I wasn't trying to build a one-upmanship. My mode, the mode of the cross that's inside of me is I'm going to do nothing except what I see my father doing. 
And so um, later on, I'm at the, and I think I'll, I'll wait on some of this, but I'm at the um, Barnes & Noble. This is a few weeks ago. I'm asking the Lord, how do we transition together? Ridgeline Church has been here. How many years have you been here? In this building, about four years, maybe. We've four been years. together. Uh, we launched six and a half years ago. Six and a half years ago, you launched. And I'm, I'm sitting there in my chair, and I was like, I want to do this right on November the 6th. I don't want to mess it up, Lord. I want to give honor to you and your people and your dedication and your love. I don't want to mess it up. Please don't let me mess it up. And I'm sitting there in my chair praying about this, and the Lord's talking to me about kenosis. And I watched this man literally model kenosis. I watched him do it. I watched you do it. It touched me so deeply. Uh, Nathan meets with me and he says, hey, Carol, I just, I feel like the Lord's put this on my heart. We just want to turn everything over. That's uncharacteristic today. And, uh, you know, I, I was sitting there and I said, oh, they, oh, no, no, Lord, this can't happen. You know, no, 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 I just, he says, no, it's the Lord. And if you'll allow me, if you just allow me, I'm, he asked for nothing. He didn't ask for anything. I'm sitting there like listening to this man of God and I'm saying, oh Lord. And I, I felt so deeply like, I got to take care of you. I got to look after you. I'm going to. What are you doing? Why are you doing something like this? Why have y'all labored so much and served so much and been so faithful? It touched me so deeply because I got to see what Ridgeline really is about, but I got to see more than just Ridgeline. I got to see a man. I got to see his people. I said, oh. Anyways, I'm sitting back at a week later or something. I'm two weeks later, I'm at Barnes and & Noble, and I said, the Lord's talking to me about kenosis. And I look up, and uh, there's all these books laying there, and it says Ridgeline. There's a book just sitting there. And I said, oh, he's talking. The Lord's talking to me, you know. And the Lord says to me, the ridgeline is kenosis. He says that is the ridgeline. That is the reality of the line of the ridge. And my eyes pan over and I see another book by Franz Kafka. And I don't know if you've read his books. Or, and I'm not suggesting that you do or you don't. Another book I go over and it says Metamorphosis. And the Lord said, this is what I'm bringing. That today at the ridgeline... Today, I will begin a metamorphosis of the church through transfigured glory. Today, I'm going to begin to upload light. I'm going to send forth my light, and I'm going to cause a light to come in, cause it to change you. Well, because I think it's the most beautiful thing, but I want to make sure he's okay. So we meet at Starbucks, and can you tell them what, what you said to me, I mean, do you know what I'm talking about? No, but... <laughs> uh, no we cannot talk about that. We can't? No, we can't. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I think, with, I think there needs to be some background. Yeah, no, go ahead. That's what okay. I'm, I'm giving. Go ahead. All right. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, Put him on the spot. So, oh, gee. There is um, 
I think that the baseline for our theology has to be this statement that God is good. Right? It's, been, it's become the baseline for my theology over the years. Um, and, I, and most of us would say, yeah, 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 that's right, God's good. And then we end up in a situation where we don't, we're unable to find the goodness of God. And so then we're able, unable to rectify our theology with our experience, and one of them has to budge, right? And so um, there's this great song by Rita Springer that says that your majesty has my attention. I always thought that was a real beautiful lyric about the goodness of the Lord has my attention. Of course, that's not that hard for God's goodness to, to captivate us, right? And then she, but she goes on to say, but your sovereignty has my devotion. And that's a different, that's a different level than being captivated by God's goodness is when we are devoted to his sovereignty. And I think sometimes we will, we assassinate God's goodness with this sovereignty, and we can't do that because even in the midst of God's goodness, his sovereignty always coexisted. And in the midst, in the midst of his sovereignty, his goodness also coexists. Mm. And God is always good and he's always sovereign at the same time. And just because we don't understand something doesn't mean we get to blame it on something else or another characteristic of God. And then the last part of the line is, but you still have my heart. Uh. You still have my heart. And in my opinion, or what that means to me, based on someone's life that I don't know very well who writes worship songs, is that even though I may go through a situation where I don't understand what God is doing, I'm still devoted to his sovereignty, and he's still worthy of my worship and my devotion and my heart in the middle of it all. So here's the problem with kenosis, is oftentimes we don't elect for it to happen to us. <laughs> oftentimes when kenosis happens to us, uh, we, we want to play the Job card or pity me or you know, whatever. And uh, I literally have gone through an entire year, this year it's just uh, over a couple of just ended about two weeks ago, but the worst year of my entire life. Um, I've lost my marriage. I've lost um, my ability to continue to lead Pastor Ridgeline Church. Um, um, uh, some health issues. Uh, all of my friends, not all of my friends, but a good, a good chunk of all of my best friends at the time. Uh, my relationship with my kids has been incredibly strained. Uh, all of it. The world that I used to live in just a year and three weeks ago and the world that I live in now is completely different. I live alone for the first time in my entire life. It's the worst. Mm. Hate living. I've never lived alone. Always had college roommates, and you know, then got married young, and had teenagers. So, um, there was certainly, and I, I'm not blaming any of that on God by any means. I don't think that God does bad things to us. That uh, I don't. I don't think that's good theology. I think God is always good. But there was certainly a, an emptying. Um, where everything that I once knew or once understood or once relied on uh, went away. Um, and so Carol and I are meeting at Starbucks. And Carol, in his graciousness, said, I, I, want, to, I want to take care of you. Why don't you come work for you? Why don't I come work for you? 
And I'd come to the point where I'd felt so emptied that I no longer knew how to process my life partnered with the Holy Spirit, which is how I always kind of had learned to process, right? We process when we partner with the Holy Spirit, then we're, we don't tend to budge on our foundational theologies, and we can make it through the toughest times of our lives, coming out the other side, knowing and believing that God is still good. But I, I felt like in my personal, in my soul, I'd surpassed my ability to process with the Holy Spirit for the first time ever in my entire life, almost four years old, right? And uh, so Carol says, I want you to come work for me. And I said, Carol, I'm not sure that I'm serving the Lord right now. <laughs> and he laughed. <laughs> like he knew something I didn't know. And I said, I, not in defense of myself, I don't know, uh, just maybe to, to sound more serious, I think I repeated it. Like, Carol, like, I, I don't know. Like, dude, like, I... Yeah, I, I, this is it. This is the bottom. This is the worst it's ever been. This is, I don't know that I know how to serve Jesus in this anymore. You're the Lord's. And he still laughed. But now I cry. Now he cries. In one of my favorite scripture verses that Carol and I connected over earlier in our relationship, uh, I guess after I started coming to Collider, the reason why I was coming to Collider was because I was on sabbatical <laughs> while our overseers tried to figure out what to do with me and my marriage. That's why I was coming to the church, your guys' church. Um, and Carol and I had met a couple times before that and stuff, but we really started to get to know each other since then. In Psalm 23, and I think it's verse 4, you remember this? It says that he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He being, in my, my opinion, theologically, not just in my imagination, but theologically, he being Jesus. Of course, translated through to our modern era, we don't necessarily have enemies in the same way that you know, David was writing about in Psalm 23, but I would say that in the midst of our great, times of greatest opposition, that Jesus prepares a location for intimacy, substance, and renewal, and relationship. In the midst of our greatest times of opposition. And sometimes I feel like that we can miss our greatest ability to, to, to be intimate with the Father, to be intimate with Jesus, because we don't stop to sit at the table in our greatest moments of opposition because we feel like there's just too much going on. There's just too much. 
There's just too much pressure. It's just, it's too busy. We're too worn out. We're too, we're too, whatever. Meanwhile, Jesus is busy. He's got an apron on in my imagination and his oven mitts and he's, he's laying everything out. And he says, just sit with me. Just sit with me. Just sit with me. Just, just have a seat. Just have a seat. Let's spend some time together. Let's spend some time together. I think that in those times, there's a greater invitation to intimacy. And I, I, I wonder if it's be, not because of this whole kenosis thing, that we end up so emptied by the cares of this world, the challenges that we face, the things that we go through in life. We, we end up so emptied by um, our finances, a divorce, uh, relational relationships falling apart. We end up so emptied by the busyness of life, trying to get the promotion, trying to whatever, whatever it is, that if we would just take a moment and sit, then we would just find ourselves immediately being filled. Mm. We would just find ourselves immediately being filled. Mm. Mm. And I remember literally in this situation where I'm, I'm just, you know, spend hours every day praying for my marriage to be restored and asking God to work a miracle and whatever. In the midst of that, I would literally just sit at my own kitchen table as if Jesus had some, somehow prepared something there for me and, and I just begin to say things like, Jesus, you're so good. And you're so worthy. And what I learned is in, in the worst moments of our life, God is still worthy of our worship. And not only that, it's only on this side of eternity that we'll ever get to worship God in the midst of the worst moments of our life. We won't get to worship in the, in the midst of sickness on the other side of eternity. We won't get to, and I don't think, I, I think that we always should go after healing, but we, we, we don't get to worship in the midst of divorce on the other side of eternity. We don't get to worship in the midst of financial crisis on the other side. We don't get any of that. We only get to worship in the midst of that now. And so what we have to do is go, you know what? It doesn't matter what, what circumstance I find myself in. God is still worthy. And I'm going to ascribe to him the worship that he's due in this moment. Man. Because I may never ever find myself in this moment again. And he's worthy of my worship now. He's Man. worthy of the price of my worship in this moment now. And I may never ever have to pay this price again while I stand in his presence. Yes. And so I worship. Yes. And I worship. And I worship. Until I find myself completely emptied out. Completely emptied out. Beautiful. Um, when he said to me, you know, Carol, I'm not serving the Lord anymore. I said, oh, thank God. God finally got him a man that's not trying to serve God anymore. You know the difference? Sounds like to me that Jesus said, I'm doing nothing. It's my father that's doing this. Sound like to me that Jesus 
kept attributing all his life to the Father. He wasn't trying to work for God. God was working his life through him. You see the fundamental difference in the gospel? The fundamental difference is that God wants to indwell us and take over. He wasn't trying to get us to get approval or get affection or try to get something and get something happening for him. Abraham's there, Genesis chapter 15, the promise of the father. Earlier on, Genesis 12, remember it? And blessing, I will bless you. Uh, my wife's barren. Uh, she's coming up in age. Uh, you put us in the edge of a, Lord, it's gonna take a miracle. There's no way we can bring this thing to pass. Right, I guess Eleazar is gonna be my son. No, a son will come from your own seed, Abram. And it says, and Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. In the midst of barrenness. In the midst of a non-reality. And he still trusted the Lord. He still believed. But what was interesting to me in Genesis 15, it says, and the birds of prey, remember, they began to swoop down on the covenant. God was going to cut covenant. And all I could hear when you said what you did was, this man, Nathan Jodry, not a covenant breaker, I'll say it publicly, not a covenant breaker, no, no, he's not, was fighting off the birds of prey. Well, the powers of the air swoops down to violate the covenant of his heart, to violate him, to get him somehow to break his loyalty to Jesus, to challenge you. Remember, think the Lord wouldn't put a man of God or woman of God through a challenge? Have you not been challenged? <laughs> and to see. Will you have one little genuflexure to the enemy? Will you bow the knee to his ways? Will you choose yourself in the moment of adversity when everything's, all the heat's coming down on you? And so you do your part. You do your part because your part is to fend off the powers of the air and the principalities that are lying to your mind and to your consciousness and telling you a different story than the word that came out of the mouth of the Lord. Now, I will cause a seed to come out of you and I will bring forth something out of you. Do you trust me? These birds of prayer are saying a different thing. They're violating and telling me to violate covenant. They want me just to break my loyalty. And I, I felt like when you said what you did to me, I don't even know if I'm serving God anymore. I said, oh, oh, finally God got him a guy that's not playing it too close to the chest, working his own security issues and trying to protect himself. Finally, he got him a worshiper that'll worship him in spirit and in truth. Finally, I got me a man. Will you please work for me? I mean, will you please come on board for production and watch God raise up a work to his glory? 
Why? Because this is, this is the seed ground of this work is this kenosis. This is the reality of I'm not hedging. You understand? I'm not trying to build some kind of circular thing around me so God won't come to me. I rebuke you, devil. And the Lord's like, it's me. I'm trying to get close to you. I rebuke you, Satan. It's me. I'm wanting to peel away all the layers and bring you to full exposure. Because I, I see your heart, Nathan. I see your heart. The Lord does. And that's what bound me together with him because I, I watched him. We went, we went and ate at Sauceritas and we did do that, but we also ate at Chipotle. And I watched Nathan right there in front of me as a man. He's shaking all over, tears pouring out of his eyes. And I knew in that moment when I sat there, I said, this guy is your guy. I knew it. I knew that you don't play games. I don't care what anybody says. I knew that I was looking in the eyes of a man who had a deep affection for the Lord. But more than that, I knew the Lord had hunted you down. He hunted him a man down, and he found him a guy. The whole basis of this work as it progresses forward has to be this basis. Because, you know, years ago I said to the Lord, I said, I want you to come down. It's like in 08. He said, I can't. And I said, why? He says, because I'll kill everybody. I was like, man, you know, if you're a dad and you come home and the house isn't straightened up and stuff, you just, eh. I don't know if y'all do that or kids cross your table and stuff. You're like, Ugh. you know, the Lord, he comes to his house and it's worse. <laughs> everybody dies. <laughs> He's so holy. He's like, I want to come hang out with you, but you might die because I'm so holy. And he told me, he says, I'm going to do a work where I get you like so in me. And I'm going to transition your life so much that I can come because I want to come hang out with y'all. You okay doing this? Could, could you go stand down there? And could you stand down there? And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you, you don't have to do this if you don't want, but you, could you just come by and bless Nathan? And, um, and Stephen, will you come? We'll just go ahead. And, uh, and, and pray a blessing over him. I just, each one of you, you can hug him. You can lay hand if he's okay. Are you okay for hugs? Yep. Okay. And could you, I would ask you if you, give him a hug, love him. Can we do that? Can you give him honor and pray a blessing over his family? I'm not, you don't have to do it because you just bless him because you, you just love on him.
if you if you've been with uh, Ridgeline Church, could you raise your hands for me? If if you've been with Ridgeline, can you raise your hands? Will you please just go by and tell them thank you? It's back here. The sound. Angela, where's Angela? Is she Angie? And just go by and tell them thank you and just bless them.
Uh, they're bringing communion forward, and if you want to come around the side, and then uh, we'll take communion together. Psalms 84, how lovely is the place where you live, O Lord, who rules over all. I desperately want to be in the courts of the Lord's temple. My heart and my entire being shout for joy to the living God. And even the birds, even the birds find a home there, and the swallow builds a nest where she can protect her young. Hear you altars, O Lord, who rules over all, my King and my God. How blessed are those who live in your temple and praise you continually. How blessed are those who find their strength in you and long to travel the roads that lead to your temple. And even though we pass through the valley of Baca, the great springs of the Lord comes down and rain comes down. Oh, Lord, rain down. Rain down your water in this place and cause. Cause this to be a place where your children can come and families can be restored to you, Lord. Oh, 
You're sustained in your travel, and each one will appear before God in Zion. Oh Lord, sovereign God, hear my prayer and listen, O oh God of Jacob. Oh God, take notice of our shield and show concern for your chosen king. Certainly, spending just one day, one day, just one day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather stand in the entrance to the temple of my God than live in the tents of wickedness. We say, Lord, you're our sovereign protector. You got it, Lord. You are the Lord who bestows favor and honor and you withhold no good thing from those who have integrity. O Lord, who rules over all, how blessed are those who place all their trust in you. And the Lord took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he took the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that's within me. Bless your holy name. Bless your holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that's within me. Bless the name of the Lord. Great are you, Lord, and greatly to be praised. Oh, bless the Lord. Oh, bless the Lord. Oh, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. I say you are great, Lord. Bless the Lord. Blessed is your name, Lord. Blessed is your name. Mm -hmm. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and may be gracious to you. And may you have peace. Amen. Bless you today.
promised bride And I'm destined to wear white And my chest is full of hope And a dress and veil as snow He said he'd come for me, he'd know when I'm ready. And my heart is aching for the coming of the Lord. I must get ready now. I must get ready now I must get ready now For behold my bridegroom comes Oh, I must get ready now I must get ready now I must get ready now For behold my bridegroom comes Yes, behold my bridegroom comes Yes, behold my bridegroom My lamp is shining bright with oil to last the night. And this passion, it is a fire and it burns with pure desire. 